Hi, I'm Liz Cully, and welcome back to Cool, Cool, Cool. Each week, I give you a glimpse into what I think is cool and chat with a ton of people that are definitely cool. No topic is off bounds unless, I guess, it's not cool. Welcome to Cool, Cool, Cool. There's been a ton of lottery talk this summer. I have also bought many lottery tickets this summer in dire hope, in desperation that I somehow, somewhere, buy the winning Mega Millions Powerball whatever ticket and I can just live my dreams. And I think about what my dreams are, like what I would do if I won a significant, it would have to be a real significant number. I feel like I've also talked about the lottery a lot on this show a couple of times maybe in the summer. So obviously it's it's top of mind. But I think about what I would do and I know exactly what I would do. I would finish my house. I would rent it to a friend. I would buy another house that had a pool. I would buy a place in Mexico. And then I have this little secret dream that I I keep to myself. And I, I do like Julia Fox. I don't like to speak things into existence before they are completed. And I definitely never say what my birthday candle blowout wish is. But there's a part of me that would like love to open a little restaurant, maybe even in Mexico, maybe even in Glendale. God knows that we could use a couple of good restaurants in Glendale. So if you are a restaurateur and you are listening, I'm looking at you, Tiffany. Please consider opening up a restaurant here in Glendale. But I I do. I I just want like a place where you can go consistently. They've got a couple of things that never change on the menu, but the menu is seasonal. And somehow I've gone into my Julia Child phase and like, this is what I do. And it's lovely. And I, I can provide jobs and a place for people to make memories. Uh. But that's it's a hard it's a hard dream. I've worked in many a restaurant and it is a hard dream. I also obviously like anybody else that is, you know, doing podcasts or active on social media. I also dream about maybe the more tangible and attainable lottery, which is all of a sudden everybody falls in love with me <laughs> and I amass an amazing following and can live my other dream, which is to write books and, I don't know, dick around, work hard, but work for myself. I mean, I, I would be lying if I didn't say those dreams were somewhere inside of me. So today I am speaking to someone who is so adorable, so literally and figuratively edible, Dan Pelosi, wildly known on the internet as Grossy Pelosi, about turning a passion into your entire life, into a business, into a growing business, into a fruitful business, into a happy and fulfilling business. I also thought that I was obsessively in Dan's DMs, which apparently I wasn't. And after 
we had this interview. I did go and fact check and I have only DM'd him one time. I think I like dream about it more than I do it. But well, now that I've met him, he's the most adorable thing on the planet. I might be DMing him more. Your website and your family tree is something that just (laughs) warms my soul. I just added it. You did? Yeah, that's brand new. I just relaunched my website last week. It's like literally I spent four or five months working with a team that I hired to redo and rethink my whole website. And it was so fun and so much work. And that was one of the things that that family tree I actually had written for my book. And it was one of the very few things that got cut from the book. Um, So I had to put it on my site, which I'm actually glad it's there. So. I'm so glad that it's there. Whoever cut it from the book, I disagree, but I'm sure it'll be fabulous regardless. And I'm sure it'll all make sense when I get it in my Okay, I'll give you my editor's number. You can file a complaint. (laughs) I will file a complaint. But I loved that you went into all of your family's background because I think when we fall in love with people, especially when people are serving us food and we just fall so deeply in love with them, finding out where they came from and why they make the food that they make. You know what I mean? And what yeah. where it comes from is such a big Important. part of it. That's the entire, uh, you just wrote the thesis statement for my book. Oh, I did. oh my <laughs> um, God. <laughs> well, also my brand, because you know it's not just about me. It's about the people behind the food, the way I learned how to cook, the stories, the recipes. It's all intertwined and it's all... Related to real people and real things. And those people are as important to my story as as I am. So I wanted to honor them as much as possible. And so a lot of times people say like, who's Bimpy or who's, you know, who's Gus or whatever. A lot of, very lucky I get new people every day. And a lot of people don't know what the story is. And a lot of people have been following the story for three and a half years. So they're, they're just very different audiences. So I figured I would create a little primer to let people know kind of who everyone is and why they're so important. Has anybody in your family read their description? Did anybody have any input? No. No, I don't even know if anyone in my family has seen them yet. I'm sort of waiting for the day that they discover them. Who do you think is going to be the most excited? And who do you think not necessarily won't be excited, but might be like a little embarrassed or is a little more shy? I think my sister will be the most shy. She's pretty shy. She's really funny and she's really outspoken, but she doesn't. She's like a very kind of like private chill person she has like a few friends that are really good and she doesn't like attention and then i think the person who was most excited i will tell you this story i'll probably start crying and you're probably gonna be like this is such a it's a real like woo woo i believe in like the afterlife story i mean first of all welcome to cool 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 all we do is cry and everything is woo woo so perfect So my uncle phil who was like my best friend my whole life he died in 2019 sort of like unexpectedly and sort of it was a huge bummer so I joke that, you know, all of this grossy stuff and this sort of like attention I've gotten happened post his death. And I refer to him as my momager in the sky. Like, I really think he's like typing all the emails, making all the phone calls, like doing all the work up there to make what's happening down here happen for me. And so because all he was the one who like always wanted me to be, I'm going to say the word famous. I'm not famous, but he always wanted me to be famous and always thought I should be famous and always said it all the time, even when I was like four years old. So all of this stuff that's happened, I just feel like is because of him. And I was working with my web team last week to like finalize all the things. And we were dropping the image of me and Uncle Phil into the website. And all of a sudden, my apartment filled with his smell. And he had like a really particular smell because he always wore cologne. And so 
We're like talking about him putting his image into the website and the whole room just starts to smell like him. And I just like started sobbing. So she's a drama queen and I loved it. And I totally started crying. So I think he would be the happiest to be on the site. (laughs) I might cry. I'm very woo-woo like that too. Yeah. It's happened a few times. Uncle Phil was obsessed with being skinny, obsessed with being like, was very into diet culture. Contributed, unfortunately, to a lot of, like, the negative parts of my body issues and my disordered eating, but also was kind of, like, incredible and funny and, like, the best person ever. So I put a photo of him on the site when he was at his thinnest to acknowledge him, which, of course, when I was, was, like, when I was, like, two years old and he was pushing me on a swing, which is, like, my favorite photo of us. It just has so many layers and so much meaning. And I think, you know, he just... He would love to have his little moment in the sun at his thinnest on the website. (laughs) Oh, my God. One is Uncle Phil, my mom, minus my mom is not nice or fun. But (laughs) wow, I love that. All of our moms and our aunts and our um, pseudo gay uncles and everyone loves to tell us how we should be thin. And we all are rebelling. And I'm so happy about it. I mean, let me tell you, it was a lifelong. It's funny. I similarly growing up in Marin, doing like the Marin Mountain play. We'll get to Marin in a in a Don't hot even. second. I, mean, I could only imagine the like the like diet culture that's wrapped in health food in Marin. I can't. <sighs> it was just gnarly because I was doing theater at such. I did like American Conservatory at a young age, and I was a ham, probably much like you. I mean, yeah, I was just. All the adults at the dinner parties. My mom would have these insane dinner parties, and then my mom mm-hmm. had like a little catering. Uh-huh. She had a lot of businesses over the years, but wow. she had a, like a little catering company and I would like help with her and whatever and, you know, come out and do my like 15 minute set and like return down to like watch Kids Incorporated or whatever I was up to, Kids Incorporated, um, which I desperately wanted to be on. Uh-huh. I was like, K-I-D-S. And just. How old are you? Are we talking about that or not? Yeah. Everybody knows, Dan. Everybody knows. I'm 38. I just turned 38 this summer. Cool. So we're like same same. I'm 41. So we're the same. What's your birthday? July 9th. Ah, June 18th. Okay. Oh, wait. Are do you make it to cancer them or no? You're still no, a Gemini. Almost to cancer, but according to my boyfriend Gus, who cares? I am have a lot of Taurus energy. Hmm. <gasps> so chill, stubborn, but so chill. Is that sarcasm? Because I'm not that chill. You're not. Are you like some people have described me as being the chillest, not chill person they know. Uh, I'm not chill at all. I don't I think might, you can like make it in life without being too chill. I Unless mean, I'm like a monster. Gus was like told me yesterday on his birthday when we were out for his lunch for his birthday and going to get facials that I'm addicted. He's like, you're addicted to work. <laughs> I was like, oh my god! Yeah. Should Gus and my wife Rachel have like a recovery group? Probably. You're <laughs> probably talking right now. I know. They're like chatting in the corner. Um, I, for me, what was tough is everybody would kind of say the same thing. Like, you're going to be famous. But like, if only you were thin. And then when oh. I got to L.A., I did quite well. And it, my poor listeners have heard this a thousand times. But that's why, like, why I kind of walked out of the industry it was, yeah. it was just like I got so far and they're like you must be thinner and I'm like I haven't eaten solid food I mean I was yeah. on this like Tracy Anderson baby food diet I mean like I can't Holy. and Holy. and the irony is that I would work in these incredible like renowned restaurants all yeah. over the world and had such a love affair for food and I love to cook and I love to feed people and I love 
chef culture as toxic as it can be. But for me, and that's why I think you are famous. To me, you are famous. Um, So tell Uncle Phil he's doing his job. Um, 10% for him, 10% for him. But (laughs) I, you know, it's such an incredible, it's like, it's so difficult to come up with incredible new things and take things that are so nostalgic and make your make them your own. I think it's like some magic. For real. I am um, I really appreciate that and I think for me it's something that I don't take lightly and it's something that I take my time with and I really want to be really intentional with everything. I for a really long time when I started like actually writing recipes like as part of a food writing thing that was new to me, which was only like in 2020 when this all started. Before that, I wasn't really writing recipes. I would get really, I created so many walls around what it took to write a recipe for me and how much meaning it had to have. And there was so many boxes that needed to check. And it actually like stunted my creativity because I was like, oh, I have no more ideas because nothing will ever do what, what Bimpy's Pasta Pizelle did. So like, hello. So it's actually... <laughs> I went so extreme with it. And now it's been a really interesting exercise for me with sort of like taking down some of those walls, keeping all of the important stuff. But obviously, I just wrote a cookbook, which has 100 recipes, and I still post new recipes on my website. And I really don't like to share a recipe unless it has a really strong point of view and a really strong meaning to me. And so I don't do it that often on my website. And I say that proudly but not judgmentally. But I do think that a lot of people put out so many recipes that I don't know where they kind of go. They sort of drift into the other. And I'm like, I want, if I, I put so much energy and effort to, I want it to feel really powerful and impactful. And so the idea that like my vodka sauce get, gets made once a week in some households or that my chocolate chip cookie is the only chocolate chip cookie in a lot of people's places, or someone said to me, I think my second holiday of doing grossy professionally, they t- said to me like, you know, I just have to tell you that your peanut butter blossom cookie, my family discovered that recipe and our grandmother went to the grave with her peanut butter blossom recipe. And we've been trying to find one that tastes like hers. And I made yours for my family. And we all decided on the spot that your recipe is now grandma's recipe. And I was like, bye. Like, I've done, I've peaked. Like, this is it. I like, I will never do anything better than this. You know, like that's how I want my recipes to feel to people, which puts a lot of pressure for me. Like I said, I'm a workaholic. It puts a lot of pressure for me on the recipes. I do have a lot of fun, easy recipes out there that I'm not so attached to, but that was just such a beautiful thing to hear from someone. I like couldn't believe it. So that's what an incredible feeling. I mean, you keep, so what was happening before 2020? I was just a girl on Instagram. I had like 3,000 followers. I was cooking a lot, but just like cooking a lot of other people's recipes. I had a lot of friends who worked in food. Molly Buzz, Andy Baragani were really good friends of mine, um, still are. But I was really interested in just like cooking. I would make some, I was like a weekend cook because I was a nine to five creative director in the city. I would do like gym, work, dinner out in the city five days a week. And then on the weekends, I would like go to the market and cook. And then I would have like a Saturday dinner or a Sunday dinner with all my friends. But I didn't really leave the house on the weekends because I love the kitchen. And I've always built like a really nice house for myself. And so right around my holiday cookie party, which is an annual event, I think it was like my seventh in 2019, I realized that 
that day was my favorite day of the year. And it brought so much out of so many people. Everyone brings a homemade cookie. They tell the story of the cookie. People are asking each other, what cookie did you make? Who made this cookie? Oh my God, that's my aunt's recipe. Tell me more about it. It just was such a magical day. And 2019 was the same year that my uncle died. So it was really hard for me. I also made an offer on my first house. I just bought a house now in 2023. I made an offer on my first home. It was my dream home. It got stolen from me. Very privileged thing to say, but it kind of destroyed me for like six months. I couldn't get yeah. out of the fact that I lost this fucking house, right? You know, newsflash, it all works out in time. Like you get the house you're supposed to get. Um, I'm sitting in the dining room right now. But basically, I just decided that in 2020, I should just focus on something I love, which is food and really just on Instagram, which was something I'm a very oversharey at. Just focus on food and see what happens. And turns out three and a half months later, a global pandemic happened. And the global pandemic happened to set people up in a place where they had to cook for themselves. And they had to be comfortable in their homes. And a lot of people weren't able to do either. And I, despite all of the horrible things, sort of thrived in the environment of lockdown. I was working from home, which is very fortunate. I didn't have to leave my house. And I was cooking every meal seven days a week. And because of me, I shared everything I made. I shared what I did, how I did it to keep me sane during the pandemic. And in turn, people just started finding me in droves. And so they just started asking for my recipes. They wanted to know how to stock your pantry. They wanted to know where I got my, you know, napkins, where I got my plates, like where and brands started catching on. It just became a thing. So then I quickly like was like, I should make a website. So by June, I put I launched my website with like 40 recipes on it that I'd never written a recipe before. And I started a merch line because people were asking for merch and I started selling merchandise for purely for charity to help Sage, which is an organization that supports LGBTQ elders, which were going through their second global pandemic after AIDS. It just turned into like a business. And I credit all of that to my one, my growing up as like an Italian American kid who sat in the kitchen every day of my life, observing my moms and my dads and my aunts and eating and tasting food. And two, my career as a designer, a creative director, and a marketer. So I was able to listen to what people wanted and to quickly understand that they were really interested in what I had to say during this really tough time and kind of turned it into a business like this. you know. And then a year later, in April of 2021, I quit my full-time job and I've been doing this full-time ever since. That was like really a lot. So I'm just sitting here being like, wow, I cooked every day in the pandemic too, shared recipes, but also was like, actually melting down. I think the most incredible thing that happened to me in the kitchen during um, the pandemic, amazing and not amazing at the same time, is that I dropped my mother's cast iron Le Creuset from the 1970s that they don't make anymore. No. And it broke. And they have a lifetime warranty. Oh. Did you know that? Yeah, I did know that. Okay, well, I didn't. You broke it on your foot or something. No, no, I broke it on my head. Oh. I literally had these, no. cra- I was in West Hollywood. I had these insane, this insane pantry and I was up on a ladder. I no. may or may not have partook in a, wa- a virtual wine tasting, which by the way, those are dangerous. I like was, somebody had gifted it to me, did yeah. the virtual wine tasting for a few months. And I was like, I'm drinking so much. Like I got to yeah. cut this. That seems like we're all already sad enough. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I went to grab the Le Creuset and I was just being an idiot and I went to grab it and it just complete hit me in the head, cracked on the saltillo tile. I was like, fuck. Reached out to Le Creuset. Not only did they replace 
even though they were like, we don't have those anymore. Oh my, the woman was so nice on the phone. Oh my God, when was that from? I took pictures. I was like, I don't know. I mean, I sent me three in a replacement because she was like, babe, we don't have those anymore. So now wow. I have three huge pots. That was the best thing in my cooking experience. Also that I made the best gelato I've ever made in my entire life. Oh, it I took love me that. two and a half days. Uh, Jinduya. And I really well, like went for it. We had the time during the pandemic. I let me tell you, I was on. I got furloughed for two months and would like make a sandwich, and my entire house needed to be like hosed down. Like it was crazy. Um, but I <laughs> you will used say that every single like everything. Everything. My roommates were like, um, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "No, I'm not okay." But thank you. Um, also, I will say I work with Liquor Say consistently, and they are the nicest. I'm not surprised. Well, and I like just am such a nerd and I have my collection that's just constantly oh. growing. Um, yeah, they just had a big sale if anybody's yeah. listening. And it really, my wife was like, you cannot, like your Le Creuset things out of control. Oh, like, but they too. have a new color. I've been collecting them for upstate for four years. So I've had like double of everything waiting for a house to happen. And they finally just got a home four months ago or three weeks ago. I see I just you have the Marseille blue in the back. Are you only a Marseille girl or do you to go other colors? So that's my other obsession, which is Heath Ceramics. That's oh, not okay. Wow. She expensive. She an expensive well, girl. I love sam- it. I, I spent, you know, Heath. I mean, hello. Bay I live two blocks away in West Hollywood. Oh, yeah. And you also grew up in Tipperon. So you're Correct. Like, hello. So I didn't know about it until I moved to San Francisco. My friend took me there and I was like, this is it. These are the most beautiful ceramics. So when I moved to New York, I finally had room. I built a dining table for 12 people. And I told my mom, I was like, listen, you ask me every holiday birthday for like what I want. What I want is for you to start building my collection mm-hmm. of heat ceramics out. And so I tried to like email her the link and tell it. So finally, I was like, I'm doing a wedding registry. <laughs> So I did a wedding registry for like 12 plates, 12 bowls, 12 um, salad plates, like 12 of everything. And my mom being an absolute angel, just for no reason, it wasn't even a holiday. I just emailed it to her. Two weeks later, the entire registry showed up at my house. (laughs) Does your mom want to adopt me? Except the problem is is that I want to do it with um, Janori. And I'm a mom, Oriente Italiano. I have oh all, God. I went, my wife got me in the pandemic, the full rainbow. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm yeah. a monster. I got, I was working with a brand and they sent it to me and it was so beautiful. I forget which brand, it might've been Nordstrom, but yeah, they're so stunning. But yeah, <laughs> Nordstrom I, um, sponsor me. I'm a real monster collector. Oh, linens. I mean, um, trust me. I, I like him. You ever go to Heather Taylor in LA? Yeah. Yeah. Heather, her, where's my book? Whatever. The lining of my book is my favorite Heather Taylor. And all the like cover is two of her fabrics. I'm having t- shirts made. I have a tailor making shirts out of all my favorite tablecloths from the book for the book tour. That's what, how big of a faggot I am. Ugh, I love you. And you have a whole book tour. That's a great segue. The book Thank tour you. is Book huge. tour is coming. Have you ever, I mean, what do you think it's going to be? I mean, I want to show up to Uncle Polly's. Obviously, I yes. know Paul socially through New York. You do. Um, so that's yes. going to be like one of my favorite events. I'm like scared, but I want to go. But I feel like it's going to be oh. like Beatlemania. Because no, it's going to be like people in the parking lot losing First their minds. First of all, there's a huge Italian sandwich in my book, which Polly's making. So we're selling the sandwich for my book. Now serving is doing the book signing. I'm going to be there signing covered in mayonnaise and pepperoncini and like salami just having the time of my life i'm probably gonna wear a bib honestly 
Amazing. I'm planning my outfit right now in yeah. my mind. If you could wear a Heather table, Heather Taylor tablecloth as your dress, you would fit right in. Because that's oh my basically God, would what you I die? Mean. But then we'd have to get married, and then what would happen? It would be we'd know. have to get married on the spot with a long Italian sandwich, like as yeah. the table. We would have to eat it from both ends. And I would die. I would sign me up. Them. You kidding me? Man, get out of here. Different. Give me an Arnold Palmer on the side. It's a wrap. Yeah. I'm like, no, I think we could, like, I'm actually, after 28 minutes with you, I think I, I would be happy for us my life to get married. I mean, same. I feel like we would just be, so everyone would be well-fed. We yeah. would be so type A that we would give ourselves the space to do what we oh, needed to huge. do. Also, and we could fuck other people. Correct. Honestly, my mm-hmm. dream. But dream. since I'm in this, like, whole crazy, like, need to have a baby, where do I get sperm? Oh, I'm not in that. Yeah, but you guys all have sperm for me, potentially. Um, I do. Okay, there you go. You're I like, can't speak oh for God. other people. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. When did you live in San Francisco? I lived in San Francisco, so I left. I graduated from RISD after a five-year architecture program in 2005. I stayed in Providence to help my friend launch her like home goods retail design store. I left January 2006, and I moved, I drove across the country to San Francisco because two of my best friends from RISD were out there. And I was like, I, my family, my grandparents are next door neighbors. My uncle never left the house. And I, mm-hmm. We lived four minutes down the road from both of my grandparents who were next door neighbors and my uncle who never left the house. And I was like, I'm breaking the cycle. <laughs> I love it. So I packed up my car and drove across the country. My parents had just gotten divorced or it just my mom had just told my dad she wanted to divorce him and i was like this is wild i'm gonna go hang out with my friends in san francisco and i ended up living there for like eight years and loved it wait how did we not overlap in san what years this was 2006 to like 2012 very strange that you and i didn't overlap okay so i went to school in new york came back around 2005 Okay. And then was there until 2011, until I Where moved here. Where did you here. live? Well, I lived on 20th and Fulton in the Richmond. Okay. But I worked at Bix, Gary Danko. I worked at a this little horrible diner that was so gnarly, but whatever, called Polkers in the Morning. Uh-huh. And then I had a band and we sang all over Boom Boom Room, Kilos, oh, yeah. like oh, you name God. it, everywhere. And then I was like on the Castro scene being like, yeah. hi, I like girls and boys. Anyone, Wait. anyone, anyone? And no one, everyone's like, what is this like? Did you ever go to Booty Call Wednesdays? Of at- course. Okay, so I was like besties with Juanita Moore. She's actually going to do uh, my stop at Omnivore Books in San Francisco. Are you in San Francisco or LA? No, I'm in LA. Okay, yeah, we just talked about that. Duh. Um, Juanita of course I, I know like, Juanita Moore. Classic yeah, Juanita, San Francisco. I was like making the... Remember how she was doing like the original Instagram backgrounds in the back room of Q-Bar where we yes. would all take our photos and she would upload them to MySpace like two days later with like Brandon and Joshua J and like all those people. We had was, to have been in the same place. The same. Probably, There's no way. We probably bumped butts or maybe I touched her boobs. I don't know, but I was confused. But anyways. No, I wasn't really eating back then. No boobs. Always had a big butt. Oh. Q-Bar, you're really taking it to like... Take it back. Way... Q-bar. Oh but my God. I would roll up in my Honda Element with my American Apparel zip front hoodie <laughs> and my skinny jeans and my giant Reebok sneakers. And I was also 12 pounds. And... I would be like, I'm having fun, but I didn't drink. I've never, I've always been sober. Not 
I'm actually just like, I don't like to drink. I can't say I'm like sober, but I just don't enjoy alcohol. So I never drank. And I would just be like partying, but I always went to bed kind of early. So bless your heart. Yeah. My wife's the same. She just doesn't like alcohol. She, Wait, do, you know, like- do you know Julianne Moeller or, or Nikki Osina? I feel like we have like friends that I probably shouldn't say real names, but anyways. it's fine. I say real names all the time. I mean, the craziest part is that all these people from Marin, San Francisco, like childhood because i ended up going to boarding school i had like a whole east coast contingency that's why you and i probably have like the new york world and then i have the san francisco world but all these people from like my life that i haven't seen in 20 years listen to this show and i'm always horrified because i'm just like oh my god you must think that i'm crazy which i am but wait so you were working in arc so and what's so crazy so i went to the new school had to leave my dad had a heart attack went to the interior design program at (laughs) San Francisco State, but had stopped because my lovely perfect, my father was an engineer. I was like, you know what? I love interiors. This is like what I'm going to do. I'm so into it. Like I've grown around construction sites my whole life. And I was horrible at making models, CAD. And then they started going into, I mean, we're really being nerdy on this podcast today, but whatever, fun times. I CAD almost destroyed my living soul. And finally, my professor was, I, I turned in I think it was either like a mid-semester thing or maybe an end of the semester thing. And he came up, his name was, he was amazing. Lovely, lovely queer man. I like still like see Plus. him on the internet here and there. He was super Plus, young. Yes, the best. And he was like, Liz, you like need to, you need to switch majors. Like you're really, really He's like, you're great, but like, you can't, you're never going to be able to do this. And I didn't take it in a bad way. He was totally right. And then I went into writing and whatever journalism. And that was that. But love your architecture background. Were you working in architecture in San Francisco or no? Oh, I worked for my first job was at C Architects. This woman, Jane C, who is this like big, like bodied lesbian architect who had a girlfriend who was her only employee, Trish. (laughs) And I was like, 24 and they hired me and we were on top of do you know where the south park in san francisco was like of course so um there was like that amazing clothing store right Uh, there i knew you were gonna say why did i know and it was like vintage and not and like yeah of course it was like century 21 but yes but better yes and there the the utility suite on top of that building do you know what that means so like on yes. the roof of every big building, there's like a little room. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it's like where all the utilities are. She rented half of it. And that's where her office was. So I had like this huge rooftop in San Francisco. She was never there because they were like, they were party girls. So they would like go out. She would never come into the office. She was so amazing. I did like not a lot of work. I would have like all my boyfriends come up to like the utility suite and we would like make out and do like tan on the roof. And that was my first job for like a year and a half in San Francisco. And it was so fun. And they were so cool and so queer and would like bring me to the GLAAD Awards and like take me to dinner. They were like all in the gay scene. She designed the LGBT center on Market Street, like when it first opened and was just like so, so fun. And so that was my like sort of first job in San Francisco. And then I got a job at Gap Corporate which launched me into sort of like my career of being like a retail marketer designer for like brand retail. I mean, I'm upset. I'm I'm dying. I didn't know any of this about you. And I really yeah. did try to do some diving. I mean, Gus, I was like convinced. I'm like, well, because I yeah, know his mom is Gus, like a, you were a theater girl. Did you go to um did you go to 
Tam High? No, no I didn't. I, so I yeah. went to boarding school because I got into like a theater program at this uh, like, yeah, well, little did to, I know. You went to North Carolina. Where did you go? Well, for? I know. And you know what's so crazy is I have to talk to him because he, I went and this is how much I stalked you guys, both of you, is I went to go see, I'm like, Gus's mom is like this team. I mean, I grew up yeah. drinking that tea. Like I've got to know him. I figured yeah. he went to Tam because of Mill Valley, again, mm-hmm. my sleuthing. And then I saw that we are connected on Facebook by only one person, which didn't make sense because I'm like, wait, this doesn't make sense. And it's with this girl that I went to boarding school with who's fucking nuts, who was on an episode of Law and Order, which was always annoying to me because that was my one dream in life. And she lives in Santa Fe and runs a theater company. And when I hopefully eventually meet Gus, we're going to have to have a whole kiki about, about it. Mm-hmm. You'll do it at Uncle Polly's. He's coming to LA. Yes. So. so another lovely transition. Well, one, you really encapsulated a time in San Francisco that I really treasure that I feel like no longer exists. That kind of like early-ish 2000s to the middle of 2000s. Also, where you were in South Park, I love that little area. It almost looks like New York or like Park Slope to me, like near South yep. Park. Such an amazing time. RIP to the San Francisco that sort of in some pockets exists and sometimes doesn't, but it's kind of not I know. at all the same city we lived in. I know it actually makes me so sad because I go back there because Gus is because because of Gus, and I also love going back there. And it's like it's wildly different. What is well, that? There's a Michael Mina restaurant in Tiburon. Like, let's yeah. start there, which is well. So- that's I mean, Marin is insane. But it wasn't like that. Okay, so oh, I know. Trust me, Kath tells me every time I'm there, she's like, I can't eat in my hometown anymore. Like, I know. I mean, it, and that's kind of what, and again, you know, so, there's soul food. Sorry, can we just talk about soul food? Oh my God. Of course we can talk it's about soul food. It's the only thing I ever want to eat, right? Well, yes. And no. actually, I believe this is when I blindly DM'd you some time ago when you were in Marin and you were looking for, I think you had posted a question on your Instagram, like, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z. And I responded back with some unsolicited answers for you. And I noticed on your website, you had a lot of food guides, a lot of P-Town, New York, but yeah. I, I saw that there was one missing for Marin in San Francisco. So I was wondering if you and I could ad hoc one right now. Right now. You know what? If, if, we, if you'll send me the recording so I could just like write my guide because the amount of time, I've, it's like two years. Like I've been meaning to write that guide for forever. And well, so I'll send you the recording. Could, I mean, I hope you p- listen to it. <laughs> I will listen to it. I don't even know when this is coming out. I like, I'm, I've been doing a lot of fun podcasts and I'm just like having the most fun and I have no idea about I'm timing this. You're, there. you have a whole fancy team. They asked me to time this with the book and the tour. Hello. I listen Great. to what they tell me to do. I mean, my publisher has set me up with an amazing publicist who I love. I do have a manager who's in LA who's incredible, but oh um, just the, I would get try to say you're not famous. Paid if I didn't have a manager. So okay, let's do a Marin slash San Francisco one right okay. now. So this is what where Grossy goes. So like, we're going to Tartine in the morning. I'm sorry, wait in line. It's worth it. There's like 18 of them now. I'm getting. All the pastries. I'm yeah. obsessed. The Frangipane croissant. I spent my every Saturday of my 20s in line at Tartine. And then I would walk, walk to the ferry building. 
because yep. I was counting my steps like anorexia vibe. I was like eating and then over exercising. Crazy. Same. Yep. 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 Because I would never deprive myself. I would just further do psychotic things instead of just eating in moderation. Then I would go to the fair building on Saturday morning and I would go to the Chilequile uh, Primavera stand and get Chilequiles, which is the best thing in the entire world. Strong. They have a restaurant up in uh, Sonoma called Emelino Central, which is part of my Marin County Sonoma guide, um, where you have to go. And that's open every day in downtown Sonoma. Um, not the fancy Sonoma part, the, the more like, like real the real Sonoma, Sonoma part, which I love. Same. And then I, well, my favorite restaurant in the whole world closed a while ago called Bar Jewels. I lived at Bar Jewels. Wait, and- Bar Jewels closed? Bar Jewels closed like 10 years ago or something. Like, the rest oh, it was peace. right after I left them, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, she was the per- first person to ever ask me to do a pop up in a restaurant. I was going to do a pop up called Spaghetti About It, which was going to be like a Sunday meatball night thing. But anyways, never happened. Bar Jewels was the best thing ever. I ate there, spent all my money there. Like I had no savings until I was like 35 because I ate everything at Bar Jewels. But it was incredible. I would go to Zuni Cafe, obviously, like legendary, the chicken, still serving the hits. You know Zuni on the corner. Do the I know the Zuni? Excuse me. I make the Zuni chicken yeah, okay. almost any time. And by you the way. You were looking at me like you didn't know what I was talking about. No. And amazing shoestring fries. 10 yeah, out of 10. Get the, the polenta, oysters. Get the, the fries. Salad, get the Caesar salad. Get the, the raisins, chicken. The croutons. In Correct. The, or not the currants. Sorry. The currants. currants. The croutons of the chicken. Order the chicken. When you sit down, it takes an hour. Like yep. we're aligned. Yeah. We're uh, same yeah. order. Same order. Um, where else? <laughs> well, oh. can I throw one that might be, it might be too old school for you, but I want to like see, I mean, listen, I worked at Bix, which like if you go to yeah. Bix, potato pillows, like. Wait, Vix or Bix? B-I-X in the corner gold. Like Bix, Jazz Bar, most iconic restaurant in San Francisco, one of them. Where? <gasps> oh, just remind me. Chill out. We're the beautiful <laughs> jazz restaurant in the Gold's Alley in San Francisco where you walk in and it's live jazz seven nights a week. The beautiful Wait, Gold, bar. Is that the alley, the restaurant alley downtown? No, not the restaurant alley. Where all the little French places are where you get the yeah. moulin and frit. Not that. that. It's by over. It's almost like near. Well, it's North like financial, Beach? but it's like up North a little Beach? bit, like going into North Beach. Oh, okay, my God, you have to go. I will I will fly to San Francisco and take you myself. Okay, we're going. Great. Lobster pasta, like Three. steak tartare made table side. But something that's nostalgic for me and was so, and again, this might be like too old school. I'd wonder if Gus's mom had any ideas on this. But I grew up, when I'd go see my dad at his office, we'd go to Sam's in the alley mm-hmm. where I'd get sand dabs. Because mm-hmm. I'm a true San Franciscan or Tadich Grill. Like Tadich Grill is major. Yeah. I mean, Tadich Grill for me was always such a like place we would go. I mean, yeah. all the time. You know? Obsessed. Obsessed. So that's a strong one. I think there's so many, yeah, there's so many like hole in the wall, like Vietnamese or like oh, well. I would go to and like the Tenderloin or the Mission. Takaria Cancun was unreal. Takaria Cancun is probably, I think that my love affair for you is just deepening and deepening because that is my personal go-to. I used to work at a little place called Beauty Bar. Remember Beauty Bar? Uh, Adoy, are you kidding? I was the early shift bartender there, baby. Well, you know what? I'm an early shift person, so I probably saw you there. Also, I have to tell you something, and I'm not really friends with Allison at all, but you know Allison Roman? 
Of course I know Alison Roman. There's like certain times I'm like looking at you, you're giving me like identical Alison Roman. Okay, can I just tell you the craziest thing about me and Alison Roman? One, what? we've never met. But she, she was a San Francisco girly too. I know. I have posted many of me making her recipes. She's retagged me. An old friend of mine makes all of her video content oh. show. Yeah, show. yeah. And Amazing. she just went to my friend's parents' restaurant in Maine. And I keep being like, why has this never? And I know Molly, obviously, because of Jesse and Jonathan. But yeah, I'm yeah. like, and I geeked out when I met Molly. Molly's an angel from heaven. No, I know. But Molly was like, what? She came to one of my parties. And I was like, hi, I'm Liz. I'm Jonathan's friend. And she was like, what are you talking about? And then me and Willett talked all night. And it was fine. But oh, well, Willett is how I know Molly. Because Willett is I love my Willett. child. I have stretch marks from delivering him. Well, I mean, I he, little sweetie baby angel. Just she loved will. them both. But anyway, okay. but, uh, so thank you for telling me that I'm giving you Alice and Roman vibes because I do love her. I mean, I not think that's great. Sorry, I don't want to say that you're giving me Alice and Roman vibes. That's oh, a different looks, thing. Looks. You just look like her. All right, fine, I'll take it. I don't know her enough to. <laughs> I don't want to say that. Okay. To you. I just want you to know that you look exactly like her. Okay, understood. Okay, so I feel like the only thing that we didn't cover is Swenson's ice cream, which did oh, you ever? No. Swenson. Wait. <gasps> Filbert and You know what? You're not going to like this. You're not going to like this. I was deeply swept up in two things. One you will love, which is the olive oil. Yes. The Strauss Creamery with olive oil at Pizzeria Pico. Of course. Which, by the way, is a sister, which is in Marin, which is a sister restaurant to Bix, which I technically almost got fired from Bix because I had went to France for like a pilgrimage. Met this young French boy. He came to visit me unannounced. I freaked out. He was staying at somebody's house in Marin. We went to Pico and got into a huge fucking fight there. And they called my manager at Bix and they were like, your maitre d' just got into a massive fight in our restaurant and it was awful. And he was like screaming at me in French and it was just like insane. And that's when I like sort of knew I was gay. And I'm like, why am I fucking this like young 20 something year old? Like, I mean, I was in my 20s too, but he was really young. Anyway, I broke his heart and he screamed in Pico and walked out. Great, great order though. Well, Pico's incredible and Gus grew up going there, which is so cute because I loved it. Gus Turns out I used to ride my bike by Gus's house every weekend when he was like 16 and I was like 22. But anyways, different weird Sorry, mm-hmm. I was a very intensely addicted to buy right community. Oh, fine. No, okay, I don't. I don't I'm not mad at it. Here's the thing. Like 18th between Dolores and like whatever the fuck it is, Valencia, Valencia. was like owned me. It was like buy right, buy right creamery. Delfina, P- Pizzeria Delfina was like Pizzeria Delfina was where I ate constantly. I knew Do you ever remember that. an incredible waitress by the name of Circa with red hair at Pizzeria Delfina? That's like one of my closest friends. I don't know. I remember Caitlin who worked Circa there. Circa worked there like that whole time that you lived there. She was an If OG. you sent me a picture, guarantee. I mean, I was probably, she probably watched me eat those fucking skinny ass breadsticks. Oh, like, I out. can't even talk about it. But I would go, I would get, I would get it take to the park a lot too. So I would go to the park and eat pizza at Alfina in the park. I also would catch me eating tartine in the park as well. I love it. Okay. Now I, I feel like we have to give our top, it doesn't have to necessarily be what you eat in a day, but it could be another guide for Marin. Because I have a couple to add. Uh, maybe. Soul food. Uh, uh, 
What else? I would say fish. Fish. I was going to say fish, which is technically called the hookfish, right? Is it? I don't know. Because I've told people to go to fish and they're like, what? Wait, fish is on the water? What's the one on the water? Well, fish is in Sa- in Sausalito on the water. On the water, but hookfish is is next to um, the surf shop in Mill Valley. Oh yes, and that is. But then there's also that like kind of really good place for a burrito in that little same area. Oh, Joe's Taco Lounge. Maybe Joe's Taco Lounge is Gus's favorite, and he's taking me there, and it fucking slaps. Yeah, then that's the place. Yeah, it's like on it's. I mean, I also, I mean, I love In-N-Out, obviously, but that's said because I don't live in California. Um, I'm like, what? What? No, I live In-N-Out, too. I just didn't I do see too, that but coming. Like, I fetishize it differently than someone who lives next door to it. Yeah. Also, you know what does kind of slap if you're 13 years old and don't have a lot of money and yeah. you're kind of stoned and you're waiting for your mom to pick you up is high tech burrito. But that's like an, that's a such a deep Marin cut that we'll see if, if anybody picks what about that up. Punjabi burrito, which is that that doesn't ring a bell for me. I think it's an Indian burrito. I think it might be called that. It's in Marin. That seems like too um, much. No, I mean, P- Pizzeria Pico. What else? Well, I worked at Sam's Anchor Cafe. Where's that? that In Tiburon on the water. And I made made enough money to move to Los Angeles. I worked there in the Apple store. (laughs) Yes, Yes, I did. did. Yes, I did, honey. Sushi Ron. Oh, Sushi Ron for president. Also, the Buckeye. You know what? I'll get a Uh, stomach. Did you see how much like my Buckeye journey? Yes. Christmas. If you didn't notice, I'm the annoying person being like, hi, hi, hi. Again, you'll go through your DMs and you're going to be embarrassed. I don't think you've DM'd me as much as you say you have. Really, it was in my mind. Maybe I stopped myself because I realized we hopefully would do this one day. And I was like, Liz, don't get weird. I have a tendency to get weird. I'll be like, oh, my God, we're best friends, but we've never met, you know? And then I just realized before I was going to ask you what your last meal is, because I know what my (laughs) last meal is. You did not... (laughs) mention swan's oyster oh i love swan's oyster i also love hog island oyster i also love i used to love the oysters at what the fuck is it called what was the place in the ferry building that ha- oh out the, the door slanted door and then out the door slanted door out the door i worked at gap which was on the on of the course water. you were right there and so i would walk i ate those the the little sh- bow buns the ro- no the rolls with the peanut sauce oh Every oh, day. yes. Every day for lunch throughout the door. Every day. <sighs> and then there's like Gus's. Yeah. Okay, fine. Here. So fun fact, my wedding, I got married in Marin right on the water at my aunt's house. We did not have a sit down dinner, but all we had was swans. That's amazing. I know. It was kind of tight. Like, was it a daytime thing? It was like an early afternoon. My aunt was amazing. She like had a spiral ham had fresh yeah. rolls and yes. accoutrement for people to yeah. walk up and make their own little sandwich. And then These I had a raw, b- a Hog Island raw bar that was like six feet long. Oh, and Lucky. then all we had on this huge buffet table was cracked crab legs, shrimps, yes. like nothing, um, yes. little bay shrimp, like everything. It was just yeah. catered by swans. That's incredible. I'm going to, I have to write that down because, so I bought this house and now that I own this house, I'm like, I have to get married here. Like yeah. the yard is set up for a gorgeous like early afternoon easy married under the tree walk across the yard to the bigger yard there's like easy food sandwiches 
finger food, raw bar. And then it's like a three hour affair and then everyone goes home. And I'm That's like, exactly what we did. The cops got called multiple times. But what I oh, will right. say, and to this day, which I really take to heart, people are, were like, that's the best food at a wedding that we ever had. And then I had, I didn't do like a cheesy, I basically did a celebration birthday cake because I don't like wedding cake and who cares? So I had yellow cake with chocolate frost. Yeah, like give me the Costco cake. No, like, I wasn't Costco, it was Susie no, Cakes because like, that's like all that was no. there, but it was good. Like, But I, I, just, will, I will say like not doing sit down, but just having like tons of like finger food, food yeah. and like raw Dream. bar was the move. Dream, I cannot wait to do that. I want like BLTs yes. and like chips and dip. And yes. Like, paper plates and like i want everyone to come in like summer picnic clothes correct right and colorful and just be like drive up from the city maybe spend the night maybe drive home same day like whatever sounds like a dream honestly sounds like a dream okay speaking of dream but also could be kind of sad but we're gonna call it a dream what would be start to finish? We never really gave a Marin guide. And you know what, guys? The reason why is because Marin is in a very complicated state in its own life. Yeah. And it doesn't know like, how to work oh, itself out. The Restoration Hardware Rooftop Cafe. Let's go there. Like, what the fuck? Uh, fine. I'm joking. Oh, okay. Like, I was like, we, what? Like, why does that exist? Oh, mm-hmm. my God. There's one in West Hollywood, too. It's so strange. Okay. What is your perfect last meal? And it could be many things. It probably has to be my vodka sauce with like pockery because that's the one that sort of got me where I'm at in my life. Like the vodka sauce is like the recipe that made me viral or famous or whatever you want to say. So I probably would just have to go out with that. It's slippery. It's glossy. It's thick. It, if it hasn't killed you, it will because you're about to die. So it's delicious. No appetizer or dessert. See, I'm like a three course meal, last meal gal. Mm, I sort of just would eat the fuck out of that. Maybe I would add some sausage. I do love shrimp cocktail. Like I really like shrimp Deeply cocktail. love shrimp cocktail as yeah. well. That's why the shrimp, that's why at, for the wedding, the shrimp cocktail from Swans was like, and by the way, I'm going to say this on air. I will, I, you could put my feet in flames. The shrimp from Swans in San Francisco, there is, I don't know what they do. I don't know where they come from. I don't okay. know what, they are the best that have ever okay. existed. Okay. All right. So I would go shrimp cocktail, Caesar salad, oh. ravioli, and yeah. then a fucking ill ice cream sundae. Oh, that's good. With whipped cream, sprinkles, hot fudge, like ice cream to my to the yeah. end of the universe, every flavor okay. I've ever wanted, which would probably be coffee chip, mint yeah. chip, some yes. sort of chocolate affair. Yes. Maybe yes. a pure, pure, pure vanilla bean just for a little reprieve, yeah. chocolate sauce, Genius. whipped cream, and rainbow sprinkles. Well, it's funny because you definitely just inspired me to up the ante on my last meal. I did just add lobster to my vodka pockery, which is a lot adding lobster to my vodka sauce is so fucking good. The wow. vodka sauce is in the book, by the way. And the other thing that's in the book, which I cannot wait for people to make, is I have like a chocolate devil's food cake that I've sort of Italianoed a little bit. I'm calling it the Torta del Diavolo. And it is the dream chocolate cake. Like several people have made it uh, who I've given the book to as like a sneak. And I've been like, this is the only chocolate cake I'm going to make from now on. Like, oh my God, I'm very excited about that. So that. I would eat that. Okay. 
See, that's okay. This is a learning. This is, it's not even about upping the internet. Not it's learning. Some- it's about knowing that you are powerful and, and have inspired me. <laughs> I don't know about that. It's more just like, oh, and I also forgot to say that I would want perfectly warmed um, sourdough bread with salted butter as well. Mm-hmm. And it must be sourdough and I don't care what anybody else says. No, I love sourdough. Um, I love you. And I could talk to you for 100 years. I mean, I can't believe our lives have not connected since. I'm so glad I shot. We've been so close. You're this close to Alison Roman and this close to me. It's crazy. Yes. I feel like I'm closer to you for some reason. Who did your podcast? You know? You know, I don't know if Alison. I would ask her, but I don't know if she would do it. But if you know what? This nice. is a safe plate. I think I'm a safe place. She's a good combo. Could be good. A great combo. Um, I can't wait to get my pre-ordered book. Also, anybody listening, pre-orders. I know because I'm so blessed to have so many smart people in my life. Pre-orders do everything for everyone's book. You must pre-order. They yes, buy the book after well. it comes out. But pre-ordering is such a big deal for people. Do you Yes. Love- Say it louder. Thank you, my queen. Pre-ordering is huge. It's so important for first-time authors. It lets everyone know that you're excited about the book, and that means the book gets placed in so many more places, and it's a total dream. It's true, and it's really important. And follow my darling, Grossy Pelosi, on Instagram, and um, wait till our wedding, our polyamorous plural wedding um, uh, coming to you this fall. Coming soon. Sponsored by Crate and Barrel. So thank you. Thanks, Barrel. <laughs> <laughs> I really feel like Dan and I could be best friends. I'm not just saying that. I'm actually going to put that dream into the ether. Even though I don't believe in telling people about your wishes and your dreams. Fuck it. That's my dream. Very inspirational to meet someone that's kind, caring, and talented, and their dreams came true. I feel like I have some people looking down on me and wishing me the best. Certainly my godfather, who I adore, who I don't think ever really understood what I did for work or my passions, but I know always really supported me. And I'm hoping that he would be quite proud of where I am today. I'm sort of bummed that he passed away before I started at Condé because I'm so proud to work at Condé Nast and I think he'd be pretty excited for me. He was an avid New Yorker reader, so who knows? Anyway, I said what I said and I meant what I said. It's important to pre-order books. Definitely go pre-order Grossy Pelosi's first cookbook I am definitely going to go try to get that signed. And do me a favor. Like, subscribe, give me five stars, say that I'm the best. It's so helpful. I have a goal. My goal is to get to a thousand reviews in the next six months. Grab your partner's phone. Grab your mom's phone. I don't give a fuck. I can do it a little bit the dirty way. Give me five stars. Go on their Apple podcast app and just go boop, boop, boo, five stars. Because um, I have a couple of things up my sleeve and all of your wishes and stars help. <laughs>